Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nolcast, and back again for another position preview. We'll be looking at the defensive tackles tonight, so one of the stronger units on the team should be quite a fun conversation. We'll thank our friends at Charlie Park, Tallahassee's best rooftop bar, uh, for making this possible. Louisiana Hot Sauce, Tarpon Cellars Wine, the legendary team of Chad and Shannon, and of course, as always, Matt Lewis and Congruity uh, for making previews like these possible but, hey, got two exceptionally known quantities in the middle, uh, two of your more reliable pieces that you have on your roster in general. We'll start there. And like I said, one of the better units on the team. Yeah, man. So defensive tackle, uh, who do you lose? Not much, right? Like this is a this is a very strong unit, dude. Like this is – you could argue this is your best position on the team. So I'm I'm pretty excited about what this group has this year. Uh, let's just kind of review what they did last year. And and I think it's important because I actually think both these players that we're going to be talking about to start this thing have, have some additional room for growth. Uh, last year, what did the FSU do well? Well, they were 14th nationally in power success rate. So it was very hard to run on them uh, in terms of, you know, a gap to a gap and some of the B stuff. But that's really, I think, the credit to these defensive tackles because their linebacker play last year was not particularly great. Uh, it's not yeah, great. I will say Jermaine was incredibly later. good at run oh. defense uh, on short yardage as well. To be an explosive pass rusher was incredible what he was able to give you in uh, – well, Jermaine was just really freaking good in general. But, yeah, I mean, was a incredible asset in uh, predictable rundowns as well. 100%. Um, generally pretty good in short yardage overall. Uh, they were extremely tough to run on on first down. Now, I do think that's something that, that Adam Fuller and his defense like to do. Uh, they are trying to to deny, you know, first round runs or excuse me, first down runs. I don't know if in today's modern game that is the most important thing to do. Uh, you know, I I watch Kirby Smart's Nike Coach of the Year Clinic stuff talking about uh, how we we play the run on the way to the passer now, right? This is a passing game, college football. It's more important to stop the pass. But FSU was actually uh, seventh in standard down rush defense success. So first and second down. You better throw it on it because you were not likely to get much trying to run it on these guys. And and that's look, that's not a bad thing. I, I'm not trying to rag on on Adam Fuller and their defense. Obviously, uh, Odell Higgins does a great job with this unit. It's just to say, I do think, given the quality of quarterbacks that you are going to play, and we're recording this on uh, August 10th, so at this point, it's sort of up in the air as to whether you're going to face Sam Hartman. He's out indefinitely. Obviously, some Wake people think he's going to be back. You know, maybe after a month, some people think more like three months. So we will have to see. Uh, but you're going to face a, a lot of good quarterbacks this year. And so I, I'm very curious just how much better these guys can get at creating pass pressure and the different ways that FSU will be able to use them defensively in terms of alignments and, and where they can get better. But pass rush from the interior, collapsing pockets, making guys uncomfortable, is going to be extremely important given what you lose on the edge this year. So let's let's get into it, man. Probably one of our favorite guys on the team, Mr. Fabian Lovett. Fabian Lovett, uh, all ACC honorable mention last year. Absolutely the definition of a money year, being that he well, – we'll get into that in a second. But uh, in my opinion, very possibly like your best player on the team this year, at least maybe your biggest difference maker if you see a, a delineation between the two there. There's times in games where Fabian Lovett is as dominant as almost anybody on the field. And 
you'd like to see a little bit higher degree of consistency from him uh, if you can. But look, you love the situation here. You love a kid that's hungry, a kid that's returned, a kid that's healthy. Uh, you have all the ingredients for a exceptional breakout player uh, or excuse me, for an exceptionally uh, impressive breakout season and a guy who, hey, look, not to get too simple, but if uh, if your defensive tackle is reestablishing the line of scrimmage, then that's a pretty fantastic recipe for success, even in today's modern game of, uh, of, of much more of a passing-based offense. So I think Lovett has a chance to be incredibly uh, influential and has a guy, I don't think you're going to look at all ACC just because of some of the defensive tackles you have at Clemson and elsewhere, but uh, I think you have a guy who has a legitimate chance to be second-team all-ACC all player here. So uh, I have a friend who's a scout, and he came through practice, and uh, he basically said these D-tackles beat the hell out of your guards and centers. It's like, all right, trust this guy. I've known him a long time. Main guy he was talking about there was Lovett. I, I think with Fabian, the thing is, you know, his ability to be a penetrator, his length, his ability to keep defenders at arm's length. I mean, I just said length, so duh, at, at length. Um, but also the the agility he's picked up, uh, I, I think that could be a real problem as a penetrator. Get you know getting hands in the face of the quarterback. I I want to see more out of, more out of that him this year. I, I want to see him be explosive, and that will help his draft stock a ton. And as as we noted in previous episodes, you know, shout out to Rising Spear for for keeping Fabian Lovett in in school. Obviously, excellent uh, name, image, and likeness opportunities for him. But you know, we straight up asked him at ACC Media Day, would you? have come back without NIL. And he said, no, definitely not. I, I, I would have tried the, I would have tried the NFL. And, you know, Fabian obviously has, you know, a, a kid with some you know, special uh, medical challenges and uh, he just, he, it, it kind of underscored just how cool NIL can be, right? Hey, this guy is a dude who definitely would benefit from coming back to school. The school would absolutely benefit from the kid coming back to school. Everybody would benefit from that, but he needed just some, some cash. Yeah. Right. And that's that's awesome that, that they were able to get that done. Uh, you know, 12 run stops last year. I think you could see that go up even. I'm I'm interested to see. Do they play him in any kind of, you know, four I type type looks this year? Maybe some maybe some five tech stuff. Could you run some stuff where he slides down to the nose? You take Cooper off the field in, in pass rushdowns and maybe maybe you can play some Briggs at five and, and uh, you know, and, and love it at, at a zero. Or, or a shade or a one, uh, and then maybe you put somebody else who's really big and fast, like, like a verse or somebody, at, at the other five, and then you know kind of create like a speed three down look. Or you know, what, do you have multiple answers for nickel? Do you want to have multiple answers, or do you just want to be really good at one? I, I don't know, but I, I do think there's some diversity of bodies here in this defensive line uh, group, particularly, but also just for the D tackles. I'm excited. I know we're trying to keep these all at 15 minutes or less, so everybody can binge them. We're on pace to do so, so far, but uh, I, I do want to talk. So, yeah, I think Fabian Lovett will be, if he stays healthy, I think he's absolutely a top 10 interior defensive lineman in the league this year. And that may sound like a slight, but it's not. I mean, the third team is really, really damn good in the ACC this season. And I think he's got some potential to maybe, you know, maybe slide to second team or something. Who, who knows? Yeah. As a reference point, Clemson people are, are, legitimately talking about this potentially being better than their 2018 defensive line, which was one of the most absurd defensive lines I can remember seeing. So uh, there's, there's Classic. some nice players in the league. There always are. 
like the, the the Mesador kid that Miami got to transfer from West Virginia. Daryl Jackson apparently is killing it in practice for them. We'll we'll see. Um, you know, just how that goes. I already said Clyde Kansi for Pitt. Uh, Corey Durden has, has been killing at NC State, and they got a couple other guys on the interior who are also very good. So uh, saying somebody is top 10 in his position in the league is not a slight when it is defensive tackle in the ACC. I think your ACC D tackles are probably better than your SEC ones this year, actually. Hmm. Uh, so interesting. What about Coop, man? He, I feel like we've been talking about him for – Big Seven coup. years now? <laughs> when, when did he commit? Yeah, that's a great question. He feels like one of those kids that uh, that committed to – I think True Thompson was the one that committed as a ninth grader or whatever, but uh, Coop, Coop's been in the conversation for quite a while. Uh, while Bud looks at this, also all ACC last year, like we said, fifth-year kid, always going to be a space eater, just needs to be a little bit more impactful. Only had four and a half tackles for loss last year. You know that's not Cooper's game necessarily – but still, when you're that big and you can move like he can, uh, you need to just make a couple more plays. There's some some stats as far as how many pressures he got uh, that I've, we'll see. A couple different numbers depending on where you look. Uh, he's in the backfield more than you realize. You're never going to classify Cooper's production based on how many sacks he gets. But if, you'd like to see uh, that number continue to rise just because it means that he's being disruptive. It means that he's a guy that's, quote unquote, in the best shape of his career as we're fond of hearing about a kids, but it's actually playing like it. And and when I say quote unquote, I don't doubt it. I truly believe he is. That's just a common refrain about where kids are coming into camp. Can you, uh, can you see what I'm sharing here? Boom. Look, I found Cooper's commitment tweet. <laughs> 2016. Man. I never doubted you, bud. Yeah. Only, six years, six years ago. Absolutely. Wow. Is that uh, Tim Brewster over his left shoulder? Or it's a very small image. No, that is uh, – who is that? That is – I think that's Jimbo and Odell. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's Jimbo and Odell. Okay, I'm going to pull off screen. It's very difficult to see. But that's pretty cool, man. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned he's a space eater. He is. But I think he's been doing a little bit less eating. He actually, he actually races Mike Norvell each practice. Uh, Koopa has actually won one of these races – you know, I, I, you got to let the big guy win one. But he, I, I have had multiple people in the program tell me, like, hey, Coop's in the best shape of his life. And they always say, like, people always say that kind of stuff, right? Best shape of your life. This team's in the best shape of your life. You hire a new strength coach. And it's like, oh, well, the old guy did Olympic lifting. And we're not power lifters, so we're going to do functional lifting. And right. uh, you, when you fire that guy, you're like, oh, we're going to go lift, Olympic lifting. you got to create a lot of raw power. And, you know, our coaches will teach them the, the function. And it, look, there's that narrative. But I... The people that have told me that Coop is in the best shape of his life are people who tell me like, hey, this guy's lazy. Hey, we need this guy to stop smoking weed seven times a day and actually show up to class a little bit, right? Like like people who will give me good dirt on this program. And I've seen it with my own two eyes. Like I've actually seen Coop in person. I do think he is the slimmest that he has ever been. Um, having seen him for the last roughly six years. So ever since he was a you know, junior in high school. If he can give you a little bit more pass rush on standard downs, that's really going to be the key here. Now, he's limited in some ways, right? The lateral quickness is not necessarily great. Straight ahead, okay. He's gotten better as a hand fighter, which he has to be, but he also is not a guy who has super long arms, okay, which which does make it limited when he faces really good centers. But he's still a good player in this league, and 
is probably one of these guys who you will not see on, on a lot of NFL draft lists, but it doesn't mean he's not potentially a, a like he's at least a good college player. And maybe he's in for a really good college season. Uh, you got to keep him fresh, but I'm, I'm excited what you have here with, with your top two. I would, I would put this top two against pretty much everybody except Clemson in the league. Yeah. Uh, another somewhat uh, known product, not comparing him to these two, but really impressed with what you started to see from him last year as Malcolm Ray in limited time had five and a half tackles for loss last year. You really started to see uh, again, speaking in cliche of this time of year, but you did start to see the light go on. You started to see the kid that was, I believe the day defensive County player of the year, senior year. I mean, it, it started to click and another really good job by Odell of getting kids into the program and developing them over a two year period of time or so. So I'm not comparing him to Cooper, certainly not comparing him to love it. Uh, but I do think that Ray's reached a point to where if he has to get prolonged uh, experience with snaps or prolonged exposure to snaps, that's not something that you not necessarily feel nervous with. I think you've got a little bit of a, a third piece there that you can build around. 100%. I mean, he played 280 snaps last year. It wouldn't shock me to see him play you know, 350, 400. And if he had to be pressed into a starting role, I, I think he's a, a very capable player, man. Uh in high school, he was a really good penetrator. Technique was not that great, but you did see some of the bend. Then he put on like a lot of weight when he got to Tallahassee because he was undersized and they were pushing him to put on weight. And you know, I felt like he lost a little bit of that explosiveness and flexibility. And I, and I believe he's regained some of that now. If you watch him, he just moves a little bit better. Um, so, yeah, I, I think more tutelage under Odell. Nakabra is a guy who you know could be a real important player for you this year. You know, Jared Jackson is another guy that we should mention. Obviously, we've been consistent with what we'd heard on him through two years on campus. was very similar to what we heard out of Louisville, right? Not not a consistent hard worker, right? Doesn't stay in shape. Does he really want it? You know, like like will he will he stay out of the training room? That those those type of things. Well, he's been a lot better this fall camp. Now, still not the most consistent guy. I think he's somebody they're just going to have to stay on constantly, which sometimes you you got to do that. Uh, if they didn't have to stay on him so much, if they could just, if he would go all out all the time and stay healthy, he could be a guy who maybe in a year or two is all ACC or something like that. Mm -hmm. Like physically, there's some ability there, but there's plenty of guys on college ball rosters who have the ability physically who don't necessarily turn it into something. But his good reps are as good as Fabian Lovitz. It's just the bad is like, it just happens too much. If they, can get him to have less of the bad, that's fantastic. Uh, and then behind him, man, like, you know, Josh Farmer, I think as a player who's going to come along nicely for you, they really feel like they hit on this defensive tackle class who they just signed, right, with, you know, Daniel Lyons, Bishop Thomas, and uh, uh, Tafase, who is not eligible this year because he reclassed and he's taken the academic redshirt NCAA rule. But that guy looks like a 25-year-old man, so that's encouraging for when you lose uh, Lovett and Cooper after this year. Uh, I know we're trying to keep these short. Last guy on the list that I think we probably should mention a little bit, maybe Sean Bray Jackson. Uh, it's uh, I'm not going to say it's getting late early, but it, Mike Norvell called this week moving week. And this is kind of a moving year for him. It's either move on up or move aside. And we'll see how that works. I'm, I don't know. I'm not uh, – 
I'm not write them off, but I'm certainly not sold on the path yet either. So you got anything else on, on D tackles? No, man, big year. Like these guys personally, uh, hope to see great things and, and hope to see both of them really put themselves in a place to get drafted and good, uh, good players, good season, good place to start building your defense around. 